We're turning back to that portion of scripture that we read earlier, which is 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. We'll just read a few verses from the beginning of the chapter, 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. 10. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Although we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? So I want to think about the fourth verse in particular here, and we'll work to the verses either side as well. Uh, but that fourth verse says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's a, it's a shame that in the, uh, uh, the, the ages of the Reformation, the Church of Rome didn't take uh, any notice of those words uh, and instead went forth with uh, weapons of destruction uh, to kill those who, uh, and to torture those who would not uh, obey the edicts of the Church. Uh, the weapons of Paul's warfare, he says, are not carnal. Uh, They are not weapons of torture, they are not weapons of death, they are spiritual weapons, and that they are mighty through God. And he asks that question in verse 7, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Of course, uh, we do, don't we? In so many ways, we look on the outward appearance. And even uh, within the church, we perhaps will take those words that the Lord Jesus uh, spoke of and said, by their fruits ye shall know them. Well, we can know them to a certain extent, but we can't know everything about a person and we uh, don't know everything about their life. We don't know everything about the struggles that they go through. Uh, And certainly we should be praying one for another, edifying one another, long suffering toward one another. And Paul demonstrates that very thing here. He is writing to them and he is writing to them about many errors which have entered into the church. But he says that he beseeches them by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And that should give us an insight into the portion that we're reading here. The meekness and the gentleness of Christ. And how the Christ dealt with people. And Paul is seeking to deal with people in the same way. He doesn't want to be harsh. He doesn't want to cast people out of the church. He wants to exhort them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to strengthen them. He wants to draw them on with himself and with all of the saints of God. Uh, there are some who stand against him and there are those who, uh, who speak against him. There in verse 8, it says there uh, that, uh, not verse 8, 
um, in verse 10, sorry, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. You see, they measure themselves amongst themselves. Verse 12, again, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There is a disconnect from God. The church has become just the people. And there's a nod in the direction of God, but not an actual interaction with God amongst the people here in this Corinthian church. And Paul is saying, but, but my weapons are mighty through God. And what we need is to be walking with God. You say that I am, uh, my speech is weak and contemptible, but it's not my speech. It's the power of God, which is what you need to be thinking about. It is what God thinks. You're comparing yourselves with each other and saying, well, I'm better than that person or I'm as good as this person. And what I say is as important as what Paul says and, and the like. But that is comparing yourself with people. We need to be as considering how we appear before the Lord and what the Lord would have us to do. And so the apostle here, as he speaks to them, says, I, I will be just as, as strong when I am present with a boldness a boldness according to that position which the Lord has given me. And that boldness will stand when I'm with you just as much as it does in the letters. Though we walk in the flesh, he says, verse 3, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal meaning fleshly. Uh, the word carnal, of course, is the flesh. Uh, and But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds so i want to think about this first and we'll see it under three heads uh, we uh, will consider first of all uh, the gathering of intelligence about our adversary if we are fighting a war and we're thinking of the remembrance day today and those who died in a carnal war uh, let's consider the war that we fight and it's still going on in fact uh, we are in the midst of a battle and we seem to be uh, on the losing side at this moment. Uh, but of course, the battle is a long one. And even within the war, there were uh, gains and losses. Uh, and yet the war was won. And so we should not be discouraged by anything which may come upon us in these days. But I want to consider then this intelligence about the adversary. Then take an inventory of the armory of God. Because the Lord has bidden us to be involved in this war uh, with the weapons that are not carnal. And then let us consider the aggression that we are to have for the king and our heavenly country. Gathering intelligence about the adversary, first of all then, we consider the principalities and powers. Uh, you will probably recognize those words from Ephesians uh, and chapter 6. So Ephesians chapter 6 speaks about the battles that we have, that we are uh, fighting uh, a spiritual battle. For it says in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there are certain things which we can say here. First of all, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Uh, the principalities is the word arche, which means the beginning 
uh, and uh, it is those who have been in uh, power from the beginning. So the devil himself, of course, from the beginning, as he came and tempted Eve and Adam and Eve fell into sin. He has been about for a long time, for all of the ages of this world. Uh, the devil has been fighting. He has learned much in that time. And he is one of our enemies. We cannot overcome him in our own strength. We need something which is more powerful than he is. And that, of course, is the Lord, as we will see in a moment. Secondly, we have uh, the, the, the words against powers. And it's interesting that uh, even there in the Greek, it is against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. And this uh, tautology, this repetition of the word against uh, each time is telling us that these things are there and they are fighting against us. So against the powers, exousia is the word. Uh, it means to the, the thing which comes forth from one. And that is the power, of course, of the, of the enemy. And then finally against the rulers, and that's uh, cosmocrats. <laughs> it's not a word we hear anymore. We hear about democrats and autocrats and all kinds of different crats. Uh, but here we have cosmocrats. And cosmocrats, cosmos is the word which is used of the world, the cosmos. And cosmos means world, or as it's used in English these days, of course, everything that God has creation. The cosmocrats. And so the rulers, uh, the cosmocrats of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That word high places, again, uh, sometimes I do wish that translators continue to use the same words, particularly within the same letter, uh, to explain the Greek words which are behind it. Uh, that would be much more helpful to us because the words that we have in the, in the uh, beginning of the book of Ephesians, the heavenly places, are exactly the same words. And so here we have high places, which sounds as if it's different to the heavenly places, but it's the same words. So... If we go back to Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open uh, to Ephesians and in the first uh, chapter of Ephesians and uh, the first, uh, yeah, first chapter of Ephesians, keep in mind <clears throat> that we are fighting against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And then read well, with me from Ephesians 1 verse 19. And it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, that is God's power, to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, same words as before, and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now that word world, again, this is not the word cosmos. Cosmos is a word for the world. It's a word which is used in the, in the English word cosmopolitan. It's also the word which is used in the English word cosmetics. So it's that which is visual in this world. It is that which is carnal in this world. But this word is a different one. This word is the word aeon. And the word aeon, well, we kind of brought it across into English as an eon. That is an age. 
So it's not the actual physical world we're speaking about here, but the age. So it says here, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the age... Uh, is the age in which Paul writes, he writes to the Ephesians, and in that which is to come, that is continually, until the second coming of Christ. Christ is in authority in the heavenly places, above the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. He is the source of our power. And so we should not be uh, discouraged by the fact that there are we fight against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Gathering intelligence about the battle is very important, of course. We need to know who we're fighting. We need to realize and recognize that the battle is a spiritual one, that the battle will not be won physically, will not be won carnally, will not be won intellectually. It will be won spiritually by Christ, who is exalted above the spiritual powers, And it is us working in and through Christ that we gain the victory. And then we think also as we gather intelligence about the adversary, about the personnel. And of course the personnel are all of those who have the devil as their father. Remember how the Lord Jesus spoke of the Jews in his day and says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the works of your father will ye do. And of course they said, well Abraham's our father. But he said, if Abraham was your father, then you would believe in me. Uh, but the, the, the works were the works of their father, the devil. And of course, unless God is our father, then our father is the devil. And we are following in his ways. And we are taking in uh, the uh, instructions and the, the, the lies and the deceits of the world and of, 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 the, of the wicked one. And they are many. 2 Corinthians, which is the book, of course, and keep that in mind because remember these are letters. I, I, I can never stress this too much. These are letters which Paul has written, and as he writes the letter, the same thing is in his mind from the beginning to the end. Now, there might be different aspects, and he may wander about from subject to subject, but nevertheless, his mindset is going to be the same. So there is a connection within one letter When he writes to somebody else, he'll have something else in mind, and he may cover the same subjects, but he has them in mind, and he has uh, what he has learned and what he's experienced will be different on that occasion as he writes the letter than it was in the former letter. So uh, we need to keep those things in mind too. But in 2 Corinthians 4.4 it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Blinded minds. So the personnel against whom we fight, not physically, but spiritually, those who denigrate Christ, those who reject Christ, those who speak against Christ, those who raise things up in the place of Christ, Uh, All of those are in the darkness which has come upon them because the God of this world has blinded their minds. 
We are surrounded by them. If you work where you live, uh, on the television, on the radio, in the newspapers, in the books you might read, in, in all of the, the media which surrounds us in this time, we have to remember that they are all blinded by the God of this world and what they are teaching is not necessarily uh, aimed at us, but nevertheless it is a part of the propaganda of the wicked one. We need to keep that in mind as we gather intelligence about the adversary. Then we have to remember that they are also prejudiced. In Jude 1.10, <coughs> Jude writes of those who speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts. In, this, in the, those things they corrupt themselves. They speak evil of those things which they know not. That is, they do not know God. They do not know the power of God. They do not know Christ. They do not know the spiritual realities which surround them. They only know things naturally as brute beasts and so carnally. So the scientists and all of those who uh, teach things in this world, they are looking at things from a natural perspective. So even faith, when they look at faith within a Christian, they are not thinking spiritual. They are thinking carnal. They are thinking the world. They are thinking how these things can happen. What part of the brain does it arise in? Uh, what things can, can explain why people believe in something else that you can't see? And, and so that is their mindset. And they begin from that mindset. And even if you would seek to de debate with them, they are starting from the position that there is no God. If you debate on their grounds, then you have already accepted that the, 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 the basis of the whole discussion is that there is no God. But we don't believe that. We know that there is a God. God has worked in our hearts. He has transformed us. He has changed us. We pray to him. He answers prayer. And therefore, we need to recognize that the world is prejudiced. It is already judged that there is no God. Then also the world is superstitious. In Acts 17 and verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. And Paul was very clever in taking that particular uh, inscription to the unknown God and speaking of Christ that they might know the only God. But nevertheless, the point is that even if people accept that there is something more, and many, many people do, most people in actual fact, uh, atheists, hard atheists who don't believe in anything, uh, usually even contradict themselves in this. But people believe in luck, don't they? And people uh, pray to whatever it might be and uh, in, in times of difficulty. And uh, there is this natural looking for something outside of themselves in times of extremity, when, when troubles are upon them, when they're coming up to a time of death, uh, when they're struggling <coughs> in life. They seek something from the outside and they begin to blame, don't they? Many people blame God for everything. They don't believe in God, but they still blame him for everything. It's a, it's a sad, sad situation, but there, there is a superstitious consideration of God. So when we gather intelligence about the adversary, we see the principalities and the powers behind 
everything and the personnel which is everybody who doesn't know Christ not necessarily uh, against us with intention but nevertheless blinded in their minds and so they are not on our side and they, they don't understand where we're coming from now they are as natural brute beasts without with a dead spirit dead in trespasses and sins not aware of the spiritual what it is so secondly then when we consider this the apostle paul here is speaking about the weapons of his warfare and he has this this absolute um confidence in the presence of christ and as he goes forth wherever he goes he knows that the lord is with him he has a communion with we need that communion and it's very important that we maintain that communion by the word of god and by prayer that we walk with him that we are aware of his presence that, that we seek him day by day not just reading the daily reading book and the little text at the top but reading the scriptures and hiding them in our hearts the more we do so the more we will come up with connections in the scripture and begin to understand what the lord is saying to us so when we take unto ourselves the inventory of the armory of god uh, we are brought back once again to Ephesians in chapter 6. Where in verse 13, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. This is, that's today. This is the evil day. The evil day was in his day. The evil day is in our day. Every day is the evil day. Because the works of darkness continue. So, first of all, we see the defensive, the breastplate of righteousness. The defense, of course, in the breastplate of the heart, of the kidneys, of the liver, of the lungs. The heart, of course, we know uh, needs to be the Lord's. The Lord says in Proverbs, my son, give me thine heart. The kidneys in the Old Testament were a part of the sacrifice before God. And they are uh, used as... The, the part in Old Testament understanding uh, which represents God's control, that the Lord leads us in our lives. We get our English word reigns, uh, and, and we often hear about our reigns in the scripture, and that's the, the renal part of our body. Renal is the kidneys, so uh, those parts are covered. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the, the liver uh, the call above the liver, the fat above the liver, which was offered on the offering uh, before God. It is that which cleanses, isn't it? It cleanses the blood, the, the, the liver. And it has so many different functions also. And then the lungs, where we breathe, where we breathe in the very spirit of God. Because, as I've said to you on many occasions, the word for spirit and the word for air, uh, the word for the atmosphere, is the same word, ruach, in the Old Testament. And that's the spirit that we breathe. But we need to be breathing the air of heaven. We need to be spending time in the presence of God. But it is covered with this breastplate of righteousness. That is the righteousness of Christ. It is his righteousness which we depend upon. It is not a part of ourselves, it is, part, it is something which God has given to us. And it covers us, that we might be protected. Then, also, it tells us that we are to have uh, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Uh, and 
that, that helmet of salvation, of course, is the knowledge of our forgiveness. That we are confident in God. That God has forgiven us. That our salvation is sure. That whatsoever may come upon us, we are, as Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord in this same letter to Corinthians. And then also the shoes of preparation, the preparation of the gospel of peace. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Of course, uh, the gospel of peace is that which lays within our hearts. We're in a war. This is the strange words that the apostle uses. Uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, and he is saying, but we wrestle against principalities and against powers. We're at war. We're wrestling. But our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are ready at all times to come to peace with those who will turn and trust in the Lord. And it's the gospel, it's the good news that peace is found in Christ. And then also the girdle of truth. This is the foundation of all. Here in my notes I have it last because everything hangs upon this. The truth, the word of God. In, in Ephesians it's first. Uh, but, and also first in, in importance. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So the breastplate fits upon there the scabbard for the sword fits upon there it is it, it girds us about it, it holds together the robes it holds together everything and of course the word of god is that truth we need to hide it within our hearts so the defensive there first of all then the comprehensive uh, because it is both defensive and offensive the shield of faith the shield of faith of course of faith, the shield of faith don't, doesn't only defend but it can also be used in battle to attack and so the shield of faith, that is trusting the Lord, trusting his word, trusting his promises, looking to him that those things are true. And of course, uh, because of the fiery darts of the wicked, which are surround us in these days, we need that shield of faith. Let us maintain our faith and don't be downcast. One of the great uh, issues of war, of course, is propaganda. We're surrounded with propaganda today. But in many a war situation, propaganda was used. Remember uh, the uh, voices that we used, or if we know about them, uh, during the, world, the Second World War, when there were broadcasts, uh, broadcast continually, which would tell the people that they were losing. Uh, the people needed to turn and to, and to surrender and so on. There's lots of propaganda around us cause us to be downcast then also this armor this armor of light as we read in romans 13 12 we saw about looked at this some time ago uh, the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light both defensive as armor but also offensive because it is light the joy of the lord in nehemiah eight ten, the joy of the lord is your strength and the sword of the spirit, both defensive and offensive, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And all prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, persevering in prayer. Now, the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians it is saying the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. Therefore, this communion with God needs to be constant because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but neither are they mighty unless they are mighty through God. The weapons really are God. It is God working, and that is what he is saying to the Corinthians here. You think that I'm going to come there and there's no power in me because my, my speech is contemptible, but that's not the issue. It doesn't matter what my speech is. It doesn't matter what my bodily presence is. What matters is what God will do. And God is able to do much more than you think. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that uh, taking the communion, uh, that uh, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many are dead, because they have taken without any consideration the cup and the bread. The spiritual realities of God are far more powerful than this world believes, and so much more powerful than even many Christians believe. We come then to the offensive and really, the offensive weapon is, uh, the, uh, is, uh, is our faith. Uh, because we read in 1 John 5, 4, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It is offensive because it trusts in all of these defensive and comprehensive weapons, because it trusts in the Lord, and because God is the power of of the weapons of our warfare and then finally and we have a little time let us initiate the aggression for king and heavenly country what is that aggression well in verse 5 here in 2 corinthians 10 verse 5 casting down imaginations or reasonings imaginations or reasonings where it is not the word of God which is accepted, but ways of getting round it. The Jews were very good at this, still are today, how you get round the laws of God. And that's why they had them all stipulated in this way or in that way. And there are always loopholes in, in laws. The, the more tightly a law is written, the more loopholes it seems that there are. Because it only says this. And if it only says this, then we can do that. The looser the law is, which is an amazing thing, really. But the looser the law is, like the Ten Commandments of the, of the Old Testament, the more it covers. Uh, the fact that thou shalt not commit adultery covers not just the fact of a husband and wife, but all kinds of fornication. And not only so, but also in the Old Testament, and indeed in the New Testament too, that the, the very concept of adultery is taken spiritually. That we are adulterers and adulteresses, uh, we read in James, for instance, because we are not wholly given up to the Lord, but we are committing adultery with the world. That we are, as it were, playing away with the world and then coming back to God as if we are all righteous. So there's that spiritual adultery. It's a very open, loose law, but it covers far more than the tightly written laws that the Jews used. And we see that we are to cast down our reasonings. And that's what is to, is to be done. We need to, to be very careful about our reasonings. Come back to the scriptures. Don't get into reasonings with the world, but come back to the scriptures. 
then casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And of course, uh, the word knowledge is the word science. The science of God. Knowledge. And of course, uh, here we have the, the, the high things that exalt themselves. And science is the God of this age, isn't it? And people refer to science. We need science. Science tells us this. Science tells us that. Science. But science has become a God. Because science just simply means knowledge. What is knowledge doesn't tell us anything. Knowledge is just what we have discovered. And then we extrapolate and we, uh, uh, we make our reasonings on the basis of what we know. But what do we know? We've already seen that the world does not know God. So therefore, to, from the very outset, is completely on the wrong track. It only sees the things of this world. It doesn't see the spiritual realities. And then also the aggression for king and the heavenly country is to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, was obedient in all things. He learned obedience, we read in Hebrews. And was able to say to the Father at the end, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. No other person has been able to say that. I have finished the work. The Apostle Paul, we can look at, but he says, I have fought a good fight. But he didn't say that he had finished. The Lord decided when he had finished. But Christ was able to say, I have finished. It is finished. And then gave his life to redeem us. We'll look at something concerning that this evening. And then finally in verse 6 it says, And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In 2 Corinthians he speaks about revenge in another place. It was uh, the fact that they had allowed this adultery within the church of a man uh, going with his father's wife. Not necessarily his mother, but his father's wife. And they allowed this to continue. And Paul said, no, you've got to put that person out. And he was, he was afraid that they might just walk away at that point, but they didn't. They repented, and it brought about a revenge against their disobedience. They, were, they, they really sought to be right and to be obedient to the command of God and to walk as the Savior walked. That we need to keep in mind that we might walk in obedience. We are not, if we are Christ, the children of disobedience. We are the children of obedience, children of faith. That is the victory that will come by faith, the victory that overcomes the world. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts today.